prayer, and then we'll then get into the word. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace that you've lavished upon us in your son, Jesus Christ. We are so very thankful for all of it. So very thankful that you have uh, allowed us to live here at this place at this time. We thank you for our church family. We thank you for brothers and sisters who are here. And that we can come together and we can give, we can read from your gift, your revelation of yourself, and we may learn more of your character. We may learn more of your will. We may learn more of you. And so, Father, we just ask that as we open up your word and think about the things that are found here, that your spirit would illuminate our minds and that we would... Uh, by the power of the Spirit, act more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you and love you for everything you've given us. In your Son's name, amen. Amen. Uh, kind of interesting. I remember when I was in Idaho, uh, there was a group of, of people who claimed to be a believer, and they would say things like, I don't need church, I worship in the mountains. Well, good. I worship in the mountains too, and bonus, I get to worship at church. So I get to do both. You don't. One of the reasons I asked why they didn't come to church was they said, well, church is full of hypocrites, and if there's one thing I can't stand, it's hypocrites. Now, first of all, let me just address this. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I'm not a huge fan of hypocrites. I, I don't know anybody that is. I'm not 100% sure, though, the solution is don't talk to them ever. Remove yourself from a place because there might, you might run into a hypocrite. It's not like hip hypocrisy is a Christian kryptonite that all of a sudden I meet a hypocrite and then I go, oh, I can't live for Jesus now because there's somebody who acts one way at church and then acts another way out in the community. If anything, it should cause us to acknowledge our own imperfections, realizing that we're all sinners saved by grace, and it should cause us to be humble and say, yeah, no, I'm not perfect. I am a sinner. But the Bible does tell me certain things I'm supposed to do. It does. I never, I, if I do good, and if I obey it, amen. That's glory to God. I'm not going to be able to do it perfectly. I don't think that's hypocritical. I just think that's the, the reality. I, I've also met other people. Um, we'll, we'll use Idaho for an example, just because we're not there right now. If we, were, if we were in another state, if we were in Idaho, I'd use, I don't know, Oregon. No, um, uh, there, there, was quite a f there was a group of people that would jump from church to church, and they'd only be in a church for like four months, and then they'd go to another church, and then they'd go to another church, and they'd go to another church. We called them the church hoppers, and you, you, knew, their, you knew them by their vehicles, so when you saw their vehicles, you go, hey, we're the flavor of the week, man. They're only going to be here for a couple months, and then they're going to go. Um, man, once again, it was kind of interesting that they, they felt like they could get fellowship, and this is what God wanted, just popping in from church to church and not deepening their relationship with the people around them, uh, not have this idea of I need to be around people that can help me, uh, keep me accountable, uh, that, that I, can, I can encourage them to live for the Lord. It, it seemed like they were viewing the church more like, a, like, a, like Walmart or something. Like I, I could either go to Walmart to get my groceries or I could go to Fred Meyer to get my groceries. It doesn't really matter which grocery store I go to. 
This one has a better deal going on right now, so we'll go to the ones with the deal. Church isn't like that, right? We're, we're a group of people that are moving on for Jesus, and we want us to all be discipled, right? We all want to be disciples of Jesus, and there's this encouragement, so we're, we're more like a family. There's a lot of other reasons why people drop out of church and don't fellowship as much as they should. Fellowship is an important thing. Remember this, as a believer, we are not intended, not created to be alone. Jesus, what was his first commandment to the apostles right before his ascension? Go and make disciples. That's it. You can't be alone. You have to make disciples. There's some people that say, well, it's just me, the Bible, against the world. If, if that's all that it was meant to be, then why didn't Jesus say, just wait a couple years, I'm going to write a book. When I write that book, then you go around, and that's all you're going to need is the book. No, he's created us to be around people, to be around believers. This, this process of being a disciple, we need each other to encourage one another. We need each other to be around each other, to, to strengthen one another, to live more and more for Jesus Christ. So as we are in the book of 2 John, by God's grace, we'll finish this book, this short book, today. We have seen this book of this mom with kids. Some of her kids are walking with the Lord. We kind of concluded maybe some of her kids were not walking with the Lord. Uh, you have this mixed bag. You have this mom who's also surrounded by a whole bunch of heresy, a whole bunch of bad teaching. She's scared of how she's going to how she's going to raise her kids, and here the Apostle John gives her advice. And remember the advice that we've already seen in this book. Remember in the first couple verses, the advice that John gave to this woman was, remember that you are right now already well-grounded in the truth. It's not something that, this has happened because of what Jesus is doing in your life. You need to remember you're already in the truth. That's an important thing to remember. It's important to remember who we are in the truth and, and, and to remember that we're supposed to love those who also walk in the truth. This also is to help us combat that false teaching that comes and says, hey, we've got this new thing, right? This new whatever, and it's going to help you with your relationship with Jesus. You're going to say, no, I already got the truth. I already got Jesus, there's nothing you're going to offer me that I don't already have in the scriptures and I don't already have with my brothers and sisters who already walk in the truth. Then the second piece of advice was a command, and the command was continue to walk in the truth. It's really easy to get derailed when you see others around you who don't walk in the truth, and his advice is continue walking in the truth. It's tough. Continue walking in the truth and love. Yeah, but there might not be some people in my family who, who are worshiping Jesus doesn't matter. Keep on walking in truth and in love. That's what God would want for you. Then we spent a significant amount of time in verses 7 all the way to 11 dealing with watch out for false teachers. Watch out for it. It's a serious problem. Watch out for them. So as this mom is, is navigating the world with her children, what is it? Continue to, 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 to remind yourself of who you are in Christ, that you're grounded in the truth, to walk in the truth, to walk in love, to watch out for false teachers. Be careful of false teachers. Be careful who you invite into your house. Be careful who you listen to. And the last piece of advice that we're going to see in verses 12 through 13, though it's not really given as a piece of advice, it's just one of those things that's kind of assumed that as you read it, you kind of go, oh, I get 
I understand what you're saying. I, I understand the importance. And it's wanting further fellowship, right? That, that, that's, what, that's what's being said here is this further fellowship of other brothers and sisters. And so the last piece of advice given to this mother with children having to navigate a world with false teachers is what? More church, more Jesus, more love, and more truth. It's not less of it. It's being around those who know Jesus, fellowshipping with those who love Jesus and love the truth. And so what we're going to see in verses 12 through 13 is we're going to see three things from this text. What we're going to see is first we're going to see this deepening fellowship, right? This deepening fellowship. And and we should want to have a deep fellowship with our brothers and sisters who are here. The second thing we're going to see in the second part of verse 12 is this joyful fellowship. Really interesting what John says when he talks about when he'll get face to face with this mother and her children, the joy that he can have with them. And then verse 13, what we're going to see is there's this family fellowship, right? There's this family fellowship of brothers and sisters. Now, he's going to refer to her actual family. Your actual family is also saved. But we can look at it and go, amen, that I have saved family members. But I also have brothers and sisters in Cannon Beach, San Francisco, Austin, Texas, New Mexico, Mexico City, all the way down to Argentina, all the way over to Africa. Right? I have brothers and sisters all around the world. And, and that desire to fellowship with all of them is healthy and good because we're all children of God, right? Those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. So let's go to verse 12 and let first look at this first part of 12a. Notice what John says here. <laughs> he says, though I have much to write you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face. So he's got a lot more to say. This is a short book, right? This is a really short book. This is like an answering machine. This is like a text message, right? I'm writing you this text message. I would love to talk to you more when we're face to face. Now, the question first is, okay, what else is he going to write? Right? I don't know if you've read this this past week. Well, what else is he going to write? What, what else is there to say from what he's already said? Well, one, I guarantee you what he's going to say, he's going to continue in the same theme. He's going to encourage her to do what? Walk in truth. To walk in love. Do you think he's not going to say that? Of course he's going to say that. He, he, he's writing this short little text message type of a letter. And what does he focus on? He focuses on walking in truth and love. So when he's around her, what's he going to say? Walk in the truth and love. He's probably going to give her a little bit more application of what that looks like in her life. What else is he going to say? I don't know, maybe to watch out for these false teachers. In this little letter, he doesn't name them, but he might come to her and say, now, when I wrote to you, I told you to watch out. Here are the names of the guys that I'm telling you to watch out for, right? Very likely, he's telling her to watch out for a guy by the name of Serenthus. Serenthus is an interesting guy. The story is, one day, I don't know if this is true or not, uh, John was in a bathhouse, as all good stories begin, I guess. Uh, so he's in a bathhouse, and apparently Serenthus walks in to the bathhouse, and John 
runs out of the bathhouse naked, not wanting the roof to collapse in on him because Serenthus is in there. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But what I can tell you is that's probably the type of attitude that John would have had towards false teaching. You're a false teacher. I, 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 we're, we're not the same. We're not, we're, not, we're not on the same team here. You're teaching something different about Jesus. Whether he would run around naked in the street, I don't know. That's, that's what they said to show the seriousness of false teaching. So he might be saying to her, here's Serenthus. Watch out for Serenthus. Watch out for some of these other people. He, he, may, he may even talk about some of the children, right? Remember in the first part where he says in verse 1, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth. Maybe he's going to, John's going to come to this lady and talk about those children that he found walking in the truth. So he's got a lot more to say, but, but he says, I'd rather use paper and ink, and like all things, the commentators have a lot to say about this. Interestingly enough, when it talks about walking in the truth, you get a couple sentences, but why he didn't want to use paper and ink, that's the whole book, right? I mean, there's pages and pages of why John might not want to use paper and ink. I don't know. That's, that's the Caleb interpretation. I don't know. Maybe paper was expensive. Or maybe he wanted to talk to her about some of these things face-to-face because they are a little complicated. Maybe there are some complicated situations that he can't talk about and the emotion cannot be conveyed through pen and paper. Maybe there's that. Because he's kind of just touching on some big ideas. I, I generally think that's the idea, is that... There was a pretty complex situation, and sometimes talking to somebody face-to-face is better than a letter. That's just the case. But just notice this. Notice this. He says, instead, I hope to come to you. He's kind of excited to see her, right? There's kind of this exciting reunion that he has. I hope to come to you. I hope to see you. There's just something about fellowshipping with somebody face-to-face, Right? There's just something about face-to-face with believers, talking to somebody face-to-face that is far superior than any other method. Now, I am very thankful for the technology that we have today. It is absolutely amazing. I mean, I I am still flabbergasted. If you would have told me in Bible college that I'd be preaching and broadcasting my sermons around the world simultaneously while I'm preaching, I would have said, no, no, that is not going to happen well, that's what we're doing right now. We're on Facebook, right? That's great. I'm very thankful for the technology. I've been able to talk to brothers and sisters from all around the world through a phone and through Zoom. That's amazing. But there's something about being in the same room with them, right? Do you remember back in the day when that COVID thing happened? Do you remember what it was like when you didn't have that face-to-face? Do you remember what that was like? Remember how difficult that was? How depressing that was? Isn't this far better, right? Isn't it far better to be face-to-face? I think this is how fellowship is intended, and I think this is how we're intended to function as believers, face-to-face, together, talking, enjoying one another, enjoying our company. But, but, but it can't just be that we're just hanging out, because I don't think that's what he wants to do. I don't think he's just going to come and say, hey, let's just hang out for... I'm going to be in town. Let's grab coffee. We'll hang out. 
It has to be that it's intentional. It has to be that it's based off of God's word, off the truth, off the gospel, of the person and work of Jesus Christ, that Jesus, being fully God and fully man, came down to the earth and died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again. And that anyone who places their faith solely in the person and work of Jesus now knows God and has a relationship with God. It has to be upon that, right? It has to be built on Scripture. It can't just be we're going to hang out. It's, I, I want to come to you and I want, to, I want to encourage you to continue to walk in truth and in love. It has to be that. Or, or else, what else are we? We're the weirdest country club ever, right? That, that, if we don't have Jesus and we don't have the truth and we don't have love, then we are a strange, strange country club. That's what we are. But we're not that. We're, we're, we're a family, close-knit, built by Christ himself to come together and edify one another, encourage one another, to challenge one another to live for Jesus. It's incredible. And, and he says, I want to come to you. It, it is kind of funny sometimes how uh, we translate things. The word here, face-to-face, is probably better mouth-to-mouth. That, that's just funny to me. Um, so if I text you and go, hey, let's meet mouth-to-mouth, uh, th- that's what I'm quoting. I'm quoting this. That's what he says. Uh, we understand what he means when he says face-to-face. It's personal. This is, how, this, this is what we should desire, this type of deepening. I have many things, we have many things to say to each other about living for Jesus in this world. Let, let's have a deep fellowship, a deep fellowship based off of Jesus and his word. Now, there's some more. Notice the next part of the verse where it's a joyful fellowship. Notice what he says. He says, so that our joy may be complete. He includes himself. He wants to come together. He wants to meet face to face. And one of the things that he wants to do is he wants to have joyful fellowship. That's what he wants to have. He wants to have that, that our joy may be complete. We get to see each other face-to-face. Before, we've been communicating by letters. Now I get to see you face-to-face. Think about this. Uh, Anytime you've been texting one of your friends for a long time, then you finally get to see them. That's exciting. That's really exciting, right? Really, really kind of exciting. Every time I, I get ready to go away to somewhere where I get to visit a friend who's not in this state, and you've been texting, you might call. Man, isn't that first couple minutes, we just dump everything we've thought of for the past year into five minutes and we don't let each other talk or we we try not to we just we're both talking at the same time nobody knows what we're doing but we're joyful overjoyed right but this joy that john's talking about is a little bit deeper than just i'm really excited i'm really excited to see my friends i I think that's okay to have to be emotional to really enjoy your friends in the lord when he says your joy and my joy may be made complete. Scripturally, when we talk about joy, we need to remember that joy is this internal soul's happiness and contentment that's based upon the person and work and revelation of Christ and of God that finds its greatest fulfillment in God's glory. That's what joy is. It's not based off of circumstance. Right? The circumstance in which John is coming into this, where this lady has some of the kids walking with the Lord and some that are not, is not joyful. But they can have a f- full joy. Why? Because it's based upon Christ. 
It's based upon what he's done for us. It's based upon his word. It's, it's based upon the fact that when God is glorified, we say, yes, that's what I want. I want God to be glorified. I want people to talk more about Jesus, more about God. That's what joy is. And so when their joy may be complete, their joy is complete when they see each other walking in the truth and they see Jesus glorified in each other. That's really the basis of fellowship, isn't it? That we can find great joy in our brothers and sisters who come here. Why? Because we can see week in and week out how God is working in their life and how they're continuing to be more and more like their son, Jesus Christ. One of the things I think we forget is that the church is right now in transition. It started in Acts chapter 2, and it won't be completed until we see Jesus, right? So right now, what's he doing? He's building his church. What does that mean about us? We're all also being built up. We're not perfect yet. That's why we need fellowship of other believers to encourage us to live for Jesus because we are not a finished product. We need each other. And when we see each other grow, when we see each other step out in obedience, we should go, yes, awesome. Not awesome for our church, but awesome for that person that's walking out in faith and obedience that God is being glorified and honored in the life of our brothers and sisters around us. And we should have incredible joy when that happens. We should be overjoyed when we see obedience, small or big. Obedience is obedience, and that should be celebrated, and that's what we should rejoice about. And so when we see the work of God and others, our joy should be complete, the sense of fullness, the sense of contentment, the sense of, wow, Wow, look at God's work in the life of my brothers and sisters. Now look, this is, this is what fellowship is about. It's not just hanging out. It's about encouraging one another and being joyful when we see this happen in the life of others. Fellowship has to have that avenue, right? Now, I will say that it is important just to hang out. And it's true that fellowship can't be that we just quote back and forth to each other Bible verses, as much as I would love that, that's not what we do as humans, right? So when we hang out, yeah, you might do this. You might find out that I have a little bit of a guitar collecting problem, and I like guitars. You might, you might find that out, right? And we might enjoy talking about those things. I might find out some other stuff about you. That's great. But that stuff is all superficial, isn't it? Because is Caleb Hilbert really... Just a guitar collector? Just a guitar player? Is that really what he is? No. And, and the deepening relationship just isn't, hey, what's going on in your life? It's, what's going on spiritually? How's the Lord helping you grow? What, what, what are some of the things you're spending time in, in God's word He's reading about this week, right? That's what this is about. And this is why this is important. It's important to come together. It's important to come together and, and hear about how people had sickness this past week and how by God's grace they've overcome it. And they didn't ruin their testimony in the midst of it. Amen. Right? How about this? Somebody had an accident. Amen that God kept them safe. Amen that they kept their Christian testimony in the midst of all that stuff. That all that stuff, as we look at this, we should be encouraged and overjoyed. And as we're spending time with other brothers and sisters, amen for my brothers and sisters. 
uh, during Thanksgiving, we had that opportunity to fill out those little leafs, right, downstairs on the bulletin board. And those who of us that were there were, got to write down some of the things we were thankful for and staple them on the board. By the way, there's still leafs down there. You, you can go down there and write stuff and put it up. Uh, this morning, I was down there early, and I spent some time just reading what people were thankful for. It was overwhelming to see how many people were very thankful for their church family. Why? Why? Because we see what God's doing in each of our lives, and we're joyful because of what God's doing. That's why it's good to be in a body consistently year after year after year after year. You get to see that growth. You you get to have a level of accountability and knowledge of a person that's just more than superficial. And so when we encourage one another, we encourage one another knowing warts and all. That, that's what it is, right? That, that's, that's why it's important. I think some people might church hop from church to church because they don't want people to see all of the warts, because they don't want that accountability, because they don't want that constant encouragement to stand for Jesus. They want to be a little bit more uh, loosey-goosey with things. That, that's not what John and this woman was about. John goes, I want, I want full joy being around you, right? This is, this is a joyful thing, being around brothers and sisters. I think I was talking to Chuck in the parking lot. We were talking about the church base, or the parsonage basement. And one of the things I said to him is, I don't know how people can function without going to church constantly. I need it all the time. I need it all the time. I need you all the time. And you encourage me greatly and, and, and help me continue to live for the Lord just by showing up and listening. Uh, when we get a chance to talk and I hear about stuff that's going on in your life, that stuff encourages me. And so I'm very thankful for you. And, and, and I need that every week. I, I, I need that. And so thank you. Now there's this next part, verse 13. Notice family fellowship. Now, this is kind of double-edged, right? So when John's talking, notice what he says in verse 13. The children of your elect sister greet you. That, that's her nieces and nephews, right? So here you have the situation where John is writing a letter. He lets them know, I'm writing a letter to your, to your aunt. And they go, oh, tell her we said hi. Isn't that neat? Isn't that cool? That, that's kind of neat how... How the ancient world, even then, they had family that was apart, and they had to communicate at great distance, right? And, and here you have a family that loves one another, and they say, hey, what's up? Hey, what's up, auntie, right? But, but what, what's even more incredible is the next thing. The children of your elect sister. Now, at the beginning, this lady was called the elect lady, and we talked about how this speaks of God's sovereignty in the life of the believer, right? How God chooses the believer and this speaks of his sovereignty and the and and the the privilege of what it is to be a believer in the lord jesus christ that same privilege and election that the recipient of this letter has also her sister is right she's elect we are all elect right all of us that are believers in the lord jesus christ are elect this is the work of god upon our life and his sovereign working in our lives so this isn't, hey, I was at the supermarket, saw your family, they said hi, I'd let them know I wrote you a letter. This was, 
Here are committed believers, right? That's the sense you get. The children of your elect sister. The, 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 I see them, and where, where is he going to see them? He's going to see them in church. The idea is, here's this godly family, and they're saying hi to each other. Here's this family greeting one another, right? Now, some of us may, may have the blessing from God to know that there are other people in our family who know the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And what an, incredible, what an incredible gift that is. Some people do not have that. I pray for all of the people that have family members that are not saved. I have family members that are not saved. I have family members that are saved. There's just something really concerning about not having somebody that you love that's blood that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, for years, for years, I remember praying for family members and the Lord opening up their eyes at certain times and incredible. And then the, the incredible tears of when one passed away without knowing Jesus. Some sad stuff. Some sad stuff. You, you do the gut check moment that sometimes is helpful, sometimes is not, where you go, well, maybe I should have shared the gospel a little bit more. For me, after I look at some of those things, I go, you know what? I need to make sure that I pray more for my family and when, get the, when given the opportunity by God to share the gospel with those who don't know and, and, and let God with the results, but, but definitely pray for them, definitely pray for them. And, and there's something else that's really interesting that happens in a church. Um, being in church my whole life, being in several different churches, it's amazing how my church family becomes just as close, if not even closer, than my actual family. I, I could say this with all honesty, that some of you I am closer to than I am actual blood. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible how God knits us together like that? That, that we do have a family that's here, a church family that's here, that cares and prays and supports us. That, that's what we're like. We're like a family. When I went to India, couldn't understand a word anybody was saying. Um, but I walked in, and I felt like I was family. Well, actually, that is pretty much like my family, because I have no idea what they're talking about anyways. Uh, so it is actually a pretty good analogy of my family. No. Um, but it was amazing. You walk in, and it was like, I belong here. I, I don't get it. I don't know why I belong here, because these are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And, and we're, we're talking about the same Jesus in different words, right? Different sounds. When I was in Africa, the same thing. They did a lot of stuff that we don't do, and that's okay. But I felt like I belonged there because we're brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's just this amazing thing that happens because we are brothers and sisters, and God is our Heavenly Father, and Jesus does save us, and we have the same spirit and the same faith, right? It's amazing. So when we come together, we're coming together not as consumers of what's the best church and what can church do for me. We're coming together like family. How can I pray for the people that I love? And how can I, how can I encourage them to continue to walk in the truth? And, and, and how can I encourage those who are hurting, right? That's what we're coming together around, right? We're coming together as a family and doing family things. That, that, that's how we function, a family. That's what, that's what fellowship should feel like, family. I 
Unfortunately, sometimes we don't, we don't do that, right? Sometimes we do the opposite. We, we come to church just with the, well, what can I get out of it? What, what, can, I, what, what, what can church do for me today? What, what, what's the sermon going to be? Ah, I, don't, I don't care about any of that. Uh, I'll go somewhere else where they'll talk about something I want to hear. No, we're coming together as family, and sometimes family has that unique ability of pointing out lots of things that we need to hear so that we can grow, and that's what church does. So this is the advice to this mother and to her children of how they navigate through this world. They navigate with the false teachers. They navigate with some of the children, yes, walking with the Lord, some of the children not. There's false teachers. What do I do? So the advice is what? Remember who you are in Jesus. The advice is what? Continue to do what the Bible tells you to do. Nothing new. Stay away from anybody that does say, hey, I got this new thing, right? False teachers. Stay away from false teachers. And be around those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Growing up as a kid, uh, my parents, um, they definitely allowed me to be around believers. That, that was something that was very important to them, and I was always around believers, and not just believers of my own age, though that happened too. Uh, there, there was often times where I would be sent by myself to go do something at somebody's house, right? My dad would call me up and go, hey, somebody needs their yard raked, and I volunteer, I'm volunteering you to go over. Um, and I did, and I got a chance to meet some older believers, and Talk to older believers, and it was incredible, right? Talk to younger believers. And we're reminded this is the truth of what we do, right? This is what we do as a church. We come together and we fellowship. I've met some people that have abandoned church, and there's some things that happen when you abandon church and abandon fellowship. I think the first thing that happens is this, is you get into the habit of not coming. And once you get into that habit, ooh, that is a nasty habit to break, right? That's stronger than nicotine right there. I just don't get it, but they, they have that habit, and it grows, and it grows. And along with that, then all of that stuff that, that the Bible does and other believers do where they help you stay focused on the main things, they, 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 they help you see the needs of others, they help you focus on Jesus. When you don't go to church, all of that stuff that church does goes away, and you become very skewed. Uh, you become very very selfish, self-centered. You, you start um, judging people who attend church, and you, you start to view yourself as being this spiritual giant who can handle the world by yourself. And, and what ends up happening is you, your time, your money, and your energy goes towards these foolhardy endeavors that everyone else kind of just goes... That's, is that really what God wants us to do? That? He wants you to do that? He wants you to spend your time on that? So we must prioritize fellowship. That's it. As a church, today, we each must examine ourselves. And we must say, is church fellowship a priority in my life? Is this something that I'm going to do? Is following God's word a priority in my life? Is knowing who I am in Christ a priority? Is, is staying away from false teachers, is this, is this something that is constantly on my mind?
This is the advice given by the apostle to a lady who many of us can relate to. And so the advice must be, we must prioritize personal fellowship. We must prioritize uh, walking in the faith. We must prioritize these things. So, how do we do this? Let me just give you three pieces of advice, and then we'll end with a song. The first is this. Try to implement this policy in your life. If I think about them, I'm going to call them. If I think about them, I'm going to call them. That's a good policy to have, by the way. If you think about somebody in your church, text them, call them, pray for them. That's really good. Don't gripe about them, right? Because most of the time when we think about people, it's always in the context of, can you believe what so-and-so did today? Instead of doing that, how about praying to God, saying, I'm so very thankful for my brother and sister, and call him and say, hey, I was thinking about you, praying about you this morning. Just wanted to let you know. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. Number two, try to make attending church services and functions a priority. Now, I don't want this to be legalistic, like we're going to sit here with a checklist and mark when you come in and when you don't. I understand things come up. I understand situations come up, jobs come up, those things. But, but it does have to be a priority, right? Like, it does have to be something. Like, if God intended for us to be together, then why would you then neglect any time that we come together? It would seem like that would be the perfect thing for us to do, right? Make it a point. Make it a point. I would even say this, I would even say this, maybe get prepared the night before a church event, right? Here's another thing. Maybe if you haven't talked to somebody in a long time, maybe the thing to do is to invite them out to dinner or to your house and just say, hey, I haven't talked to you in a long time. Here you go. I'll cook you dinner or I'll buy dinner. See, all these things, we're not talking about some huge program of how we're going to get together. This is just us acting as a family with one another. And isn't that what you would do in a family when you haven't talked to one of your family members in a long time? You call them, right? Well, depending on who the family member is, sometimes you probably don't call them. Um, you probably sit there and go, oh, they don't call me, I'm not going to call them. But that's not, that's not how it should be, right? It should be that we should act like a family. And we should spend time. And when we spend time with one another, we should encourage one another to live for Jesus, to be obedient, to walk in the truth and walk in love, right? That's what we should do. So may, the God, may God give us the will and ability to do all that we heard today. Let's go ahead and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. We just ask, Father, that as we look at these things and as we see these things that are found in your word, that we would be obedient, that we would strive to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we would strive to be Christ-like, walking by the power of your spirit. We're just so very thankful for the church family that you've given us, so very thankful for our brothers and sisters that we have here that we have scattered throughout this county, that we have scattered around this state and this nation and around the world. And it's remarkable to think that there are millions of people who know you, who today have been praising you and singing your praises. 
We're just so very thankful, Father, that you've included us in such a big, big family. We thank you for everything you've given us in your son's name. Amen. So as you